when the woman at the well came to Jesus, Jesus said, I have for you living water. He was not just describing the properties of the water. He was describing himself. For he is the living water. And today we especially remember that he is living. So we come to worship this morning to celebrate the living Christ. Let us worship him. Good morning. Come on down. Anybody else? All right, we're going to do something special today. I know something is today. What is today? Uh, it's Easter. It is Easter. And it's also God comes back. God comes back to life. That's right. Jesus is alive. In fact, can you say that with me really quick? So one, two, three. I'll go one, two, three. You say Jesus is alive. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, Jesus is alive. Oh, that was pretty pitiful. <laughs> Let's try one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus is alive. Very good. You know what happened? The scripture tells us that the two women, the two Marys, they went to the tomb and they found it was empty. And they ran into an angel. And then they saw Jesus. And Jesus said, go back and tell my disciples. So how do you think that they told the disciples? Did they pick up the telephone? They didn't have telephones. They didn't have telephones. So, well, did they, what did they do then? They, um... Actually, they didn't walk. The scripture says they ran. And they had to actually tell the disciples that Jesus was alive just by telling them. But if that happened today, what would we do? We could call them up on the telephone, right? But there's something else we could do. You know what I think I would do? I think I'd make a video and post it on Facebook. <laughs> what do you think? You think we should do that? What if we made a video? that said, Jesus is alive. You think you can help me do that? Yeah. Yeah? Uh-oh. Hold on. I'll fall apart. Okay, ready? I'm going to count to three, and you guys, wait, scoot in, Polly, a little bit, because you got to get in here. All right. When I say three, we're going to say, Jesus is alive. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Jesus is alive. Very good. Thank you all. I'll put it on Facebook and tell the whole world that Jesus is alive. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he is alive. And help us to remember that not just today, but every day, that Jesus is alive and with us all the time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, you can go back and sit with your families, please. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we are always at the beginning point in trying to know who you are. You give us information our entire lives, and today on this morning, we know that you are alive. But there is that which you would have us know as in a very personal way and in a collective way. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. Have you ever known of anyone that when you said good morning, they would say, what's good about it? I actually had someone like that in another congregation. Good morning, what's good about it? 
the world is not doing well. What's good about it? Well, the answer to that question today to someone who would say what's good about it is everything. Everything. Good morning is never an inappropriate greeting, even if yesterday was the worst, because today has great possibilities, and on this day, new day, anything good could happen. The release of the captives could happen today. Reconciliation beyond what we had ever dreamed of could happen today. Forgiveness at a level that we had not known possible could happen today. Healing of body, mind, and spirit could actually happen today. Christ could actually return today. So good morning is a beautiful greeting. But it wasn't a good morning for the two Marys. Not yet, anyway. Mary Magdalene and a Mary that we really don't know a whole lot about. It was the first day of the week. And they were so overcome with grief. Because on Friday, Jesus, their Lord and their hope, had been brutally crucified. And good women that they were, following the Jewish tradition, in spite of their grief, they still had work to do. And they had to go to his tomb. And when they arrived, the earth shook. And there was a violent earthquake. And an angel of the Lord appeared, came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and the heavy stone was in a groove covering the head of the cave and the angel rolled back the stone and sat on it and his appearance was like lightning iridescent glowing glory and his clothes were white as snow and the guards protecting the tomb were so afraid of him that they became like dead men. They went into catatonic stupors. They were terrified. And the angel appeared in order to communicate to the two Marys who Jesus loved. The loved element is the entire context for the text. The entire context for the account. Love is what started this thing. Love is where this is going. Love undergirds it. And love is the power of the resurrection. And love casts out fear. And I'm not saying they felt no fear, the Marys. But the Marys' hearts were filled with loss for a loved one. And so many of you know what that feels like. When you've lost someone you love. That's pretty much all you think about. And fear and everything else kind of goes out the window. But the guards were not about love. They froze. And the Marys were not catatonic because they were connected to the scene. And the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, and he is not here. He has risen, just as he told you. Come and see the place where they put him. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you in Galilee, and there you will actually see him. And now I have done my part, I've told you. And God, through this angel, had given the woman, the women, the history-altering message. He has risen from the dead. 
And that is a message that actually pierced history. He has risen from the dead. Though the angel said, do what I told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. So they weren't what you would call terrified. Think of when you have known terror. There's no joy in that experience. They're talking about an earthquake in this account. I remember being in earthquakes and one really bad one. There was no joy in that. That was terror. There was no joy in that experience, yet they were connecting to a familiar love, to Jesus, the one who loved them unconditionally. And in their lives, they had known great joy because of him. And they'd also known the promise of a kind of fulfillment that is not earthly possible in him. And a joyful moment is in and of itself fulfilling, but it's because the moment holds promise. And it's because the moment holds hope. And in our world as we know it, we have access to all kinds of media and technology and a lot of pseudo joy. And a lot of times some of us feel manipulated into feeling something. But the media does come through now and then. There's an example of authentic joy and probably because it involves kids who don't fake it and are not cynical. And I'm talking about the reunions the surprise reunions when kids and their dads or moms who have been serving in the military are suddenly put together in an unexpected way. You've seen these staged reunions. But what is real is the kid who runs into the open arms with relief because their loved one has returned. And this helps them, you can tell, have a trust that things will work out and that there is a future. And we watch this and some of us cry. I cry at the commercial. It's actually a commercial when a young woman dressed in fatigues or camo reunites with her dog. Have you ever seen that? And I am moved and there's a tiny part, I mean a tiny part at sometimes of our soul that knows that what this is really about is our aching for God and the message that it is going to be all right. Everything we have known, the rejoicing in human love that we have experienced, cannot compare with the love of Christ. We can know the love of Christ through human beings, of course, because we are what he has to work with. But the love of Christ full on, connection to him directly, is the greatest love. And humans, by definition, are a bit or a lot broken because of the role of sin in the world. Christ came to heal this brokenness by loving us in a way that is humanly impossible. And the two Marys knew the love of Christ. It's why the angel came to them. They had witnessed his miracles, his compassion, and his healing power for the glory of God. So they hurried from the tomb. They were both afraid, but also filled with joy. And suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. Greetings? The translation into English doesn't quite work. The word is chariot which was the familiar word that the people normally use, but its literal meaning is rejoice. 
for all is good, or it will be good, or we have a new beginning here. So maybe a more accurate translation is good morning, because with good morning is this hope for new beginnings with a new day. And usually on Easter Sunday, we greet each other with the Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. But when we say good morning habitually, it's because, and this is how big Jesus is, people get the intimacy of him the emotional and spiritual intimacy. But Jesus is God. We can say good morning because of the resurrection. I used to stay with my grandparents for prolonged visits outside Detroit when I was a kid. And I noticed how every single morning my grandfather would say, good morning, Ruth, to my grandmother. And she would say, good morning, Magnus. And I thought it was so strange because they just got up from the same bed together. Why were they so formal? But something very loving took place in the actual eye contact. Something very loving took place when this recognition, when the name was said. And the words, good morning, suggests that this can be a good be beginning for you. This can be a good day for you. A new start, a new beginning is offered, and Christ gives us that dignity every day of our lives. Christ's greeting is for us now. In eternity, what we call heaven, there's no need for good morning because there isn't the passing of time in the way that we know it, and everything is good. But Jesus entered our world to save us. Greetings, he said. And then they came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. In him we are asked to embrace the unknown. What seems in a worldly sense improbable, do not be afraid. The important charge for all of us is please do not be afraid to receive his love and to begin again. It may cause a disturbance within our being and within our relationships to receive his love, the gift of eternal life, breaking down walls of hatred and alienation, to have hope in the most desperate of situations, to receive his power means that we have to claim our purpose. To receive his love is to receive his forgiveness so we can forgive. To receive his love is to follow his examples. The Marys had received and knew his love and knew it changed life's game plan. And they knew that he does own the future. And we knew that he does bring the joy that transcends. They worshiped him and we will worship him. Let us pray. There's a part of your love, Lord, that I don't know if people really grasp. It takes a lifetime sometimes. But there is no deal breaker here. You will forgive us of everything. We can come to you at a moment's notice with a clean slate. What you have promised us is new beginnings again and again and again. And we thank you for the power of your resurrection. We thank you that the world is alive because you live. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.